You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Have you caught a dose of FCS fever? Welcome to the FCS Fever Podcast, a part of the Aaron Torres Media Feed. Now, here's your host of the FCS Fever Podcast, Jeff Colhane. All right, here we go. Let's fire it up. This is a big weekend around the country, folks. Welcome in to the FCS Fever Podcast. My name is Jeff Colhane. There are some massive games this weekend coming up that have conference championship implications, top eight seed implications, playoff seeding implications, home field advantage implications, and therefore, Frisco Bow National Championship implications. Hey, don't, I'm not trying to hype it up too much, am I? <laughs> Come on. It's a big weekend around the country in FCS college football. This is a meaty version of the FCS Fever podcast. We have got some great sound coming your way in a big-time way, and we have got a lot of things to dive into and talk about. The big matchups around the country this weekend, games we have our eyes on, and, of course, more in the world of college football realignment as well. But let's start with the games, and let's start with... you could. There's, there's two games, I argue, are the two top games around the country in the FCS this weekend. In the Missouri Valley Football Conference, you've got some good old-fashioned hate Dating back to the Division II days or trying to wrap it back up in the Division I era right now, it's North Dakota State at North Dakota. NDSU at UND at the Olera Center in Grand Forks. It's the fourth meeting in the Division I era, but the 114th meeting all time in the series, one of the longest-running rivalry series in all of FCS college football. First time since 2003 that the Bison will play against UND in Grand Forks. We're expecting a sellout, unbelievable tailgating, an electric atmosphere in the indoor venue inside the Alara Center. Going to be a big-time game. And on the other side of things, how about a national big-time matchup on a big-time platform Saturday night on the red turf, the Inferno in Cheney, Washington, Roos Field. It is Eastern Washington hosting Montana, a top-10 matchup. He got four versus six, 9.30 p.m. Central Time, 7.30 p.m. Local Time, under the lights at Roos Field, and it's on ESPN2, a nationwide audience for what is going to be a big-time game. Are the Grizz back? Can Eastern Washington put a stamp on this rivalry? And this is a big-time legacy game for quarterback Eric Berrier, who is going to be a finalist for the Walter Payton Award as the top offensive player in all of FCS 
college football. Well, we were able to catch up with Aaron Best, the head coach of the Eastern Washington Eagles, about this big-time matchup. Here's the conversation. The other voice you'll hear is my co-host on our local radio show, The Insiders on Bison 1660, Andy Rickoff, talking with Aaron Best. And we started out the conversation talking with Coach about the magnitude of this game and what it's like locally preparing and getting ready for Montana coming to town. Well, from the outsider's perspective, it's probably awesome. These are these are games that obviously you want to play and you want to coach in, but sometimes it seems from afar, if you're a fan, there, there's more anticipation for these than, than some of us that are you know, putting the game plan together. And a uh, little bit of information I saw as many times as we've hosted Montana, Montana's hosted us, this is the uh, another first. Is this the first time these teams have been ranked as high as they've been when they've played a game? Um, as good as the, the two programs have been over the last 20 years in this conference. It, it's kind of cool. There's not too many firsts left out there for Easter, and this is this another one of them. So it uh, should be exciting. National audience on, uh, on the red turf uh, in front of our home crowd. And uh, school has actually started, so we'll have a student body there, uh, which we didn't have the first time around uh, in our first home game. So... It, uh, it should be exciting, and uh, even though it's late, it'll probably be, uh, probably be worth your while to uh, stay up and take part. Hey, getting to play this one at home definitely helps you out, Coach, but you just mentioned the, the late start, 7.30, your guys' time out there. How do you go about getting your team ready throughout the day for a, a late kickoff? Well, normal, normal home games were, were anywhere from noon to 2 Pacific time, uh, but we've had the ability with our three road games thus far to play at uh, multiple times late afternoon and even at UNLV on Thursday at 7 o'clock at night. So this will be new. This this will be new for a night game at home. Uh, I think it's worth it to be able to schedule this thing at 7.30 kick, uh, given the audience and the opponent that we have. Uh, so we, we made a made few adjustments, try to simulate things. We practiced Tuesday night, practice Wednesday night under the lights because the lighting is different, obviously, during the day. Uh, than a night setting with it being darker a little sooner. Uh, but t- today and tomorrow will be normal practice times uh, late afternoon, and uh, we'll get things going on Saturday night. Talking with Eastern Washington head coach Aaron Best, it's the Eagles and the Grizz Saturday night on ESPN2. It's a 7.30 p.m. Pacific time kick, 9.30 p.m. Central time where we are at, and we'll certainly be watching that one. You flip on the film, uh, you, you see what Bobby Houck has done in, in trying to get, everybody's talking about are the Grizz back, trying to get them back to what we, they were the first time Coach Houck was around uh, when you were playing coach. Um, you flip on the film, what do you see? When I say Montana, what comes to mind with this team you're seeing Saturday? Relentless. Uh, that's the first word that comes to mind, relentless. And, uh, and as a team, they're relentless, but especially it, it shows in the front offensive line-wise, uh, defensively from, from front to back, uh, and then on special teams. And obviously, in all three phases, Coach Houck has his, uh, has his uh, thoughts and views and, and uh, his influence, but the special teams is a cut above. Uh, the defense is playing absolutely lights out. When you have two, two of your three phases playing as well as they are, then, then really it's, it's mistake-free football and offense, and you've got yourself a winning recipe, which they've done thus far, and they've been perfect. So uh, they'll establish a run. They'll be in 12 personnel a lot of the time. Uh, utilize the play action if they get the run game going uh, to, to play with your eyes a little bit. But they're, they're flat-out relentless. They bring pressure from everywhere. Uh, their corners and safeties don't have to stay in coverage very long because usually the pressure gets home. Uh, so we've got a work cut out for us on offense. And really, I think the tipping point in this game 
is the four phases of special teams. At the end of the day, it's punt, punt, return, kick, and kick, return. And uh, we all know how that goes. You know, one play could be the momentum changer in the game. So we've got to limit uh, and reduce the opportunities we give uh, Montana. Uh, but uh, the, the special teams will play a vital role in this game, in my, uh, in my opinion. Eric Bieria has always been a special player for your coach. From the, the moment he stepped on campus, it seemed like he was going to be a pretty good player, and he's proven that, uh, that, that to be throughout his career. But this year, again, I mean, 500 yards passing a couple of times already this year. He's, he's been phenomenal for you. Has he taken – I don't know if he could have taken another step after last year with his performance, but have you seen almost another step in his progression here this year? Well, you know, we, we battle. We, we truly challenge guys and, and, and truly the, the, the complacency piece. He's a talented – player obviously he's a talented person and you're, you're right a lot of people just kind of expect that when you've done that for so long and he's taken another step forward in his career uh he's he's in a groove uh he's see, seeing things really well uh the protection has been all that awesome it's been pretty good but at times he's kind of made plays and his arm is so live that it's 60 yards or 70 yards uh, is now the ballpark. So you've got to stay in coverage. Uh, we've done a good job in scramble situations to be able to push the ball downfield. And multiple times, he's, he's got us out of harm's way on third and extra long. Uh, he trusts his receivers. Uh, we've had a run game to be able to kind of uh, keep people at bay and keep safeties out or near the line of scrimmage. And we got a quartet of wide receivers that are willing to make plays. And there's one ball, and that goes to one guy each play. And those guys are, are giddy. Uh, they're excited. And uh, when they get the ball, they want to make the most of it because they know, uh, without a doubt, each and every day they practice with the best player in America at a level, Eric Berrier. Talking with Eastern Washington head coach Aaron Best, Eagles, Grizz, Saturday night on the Inferno under the lights. Um, you, you preach physicality. You, you've done so since day one as the head coach of, of your football program. Uh, what are you preaching this week for your defense in, in getting off the field and getting Eric and that high-flying offensive attack the football uh, against this Montana team, as you talked about, that wants to be physical and wants to be relentless themselves? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is first down. You know, how, how well you play on first down limits the opportunities in the playbook when, you're, when you push a team second and long that wants to run the ball on first and second down and have their choice play on third down. So on both sides of uh, both offenses, in particular, it's what you're going to do on first down is probably going to equate and either limit or open up your third down opportunities. And so if we can push and keep them at second and seven and more uh, consistently, we've got a better chance uh, with our outfit. But it, it all starts on first down. So your mentality on first down is to keep them at second and long and to make sure make sure that uh, they're playing behind the sticks and not in front of the sticks. So uh, that goes for both offenses. At the end of the day, there'll be some trickery, I'm sure, on both sides. Um, you know, in, in big games, you got to find a moment. you gotta, you got to go with your gut sometimes. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, these are two good ball clubs, and first down is when it really, really matters uh, in every game, but especially games like this. Big Sky every year seems that the conference is, is pretty loaded top to bottom. You guys are you know, right there at the top of the class again this year. Montana's been great. Montana State. Uh, almost with that win over Wyoming, multiple FBS wins within this conference. UC Davis, I think, is not a team that maybe surprises everybody, but it maybe wasn't on the, the top of the radar when it comes to the big sky coming into the year from a national perspective. And Weber State, even though they're 0-1 in the conference, you always know Jay Hill's squad is going to be prepared and ready. When you look at the conference overall, is this as strong as you think the big sky's been? Without a doubt, you know, and, and being a being a spectator for 20-plus years in this conference, without a doubt, from top to bottom, and I'm not talking about those five teams you mentioned, 
Uh, I'm talking top to bottom, week in and week out. I mean, Idaho State just got beat just in, in the last few minutes against Sacramento State this last weekend, who's also another team that rose to the occasion in 2019 that was kind of off the radar, uh, big sky uh, pollsters, if you will. This team, top to bottom, it goes to recruiting, it goes to coaching, it goes to commitment by the Big Sky Commissioner, uh, Tom Wistersill and his and his staff promoting this conference. So they've done their job, and now we're doing our job from a national standpoint. So uh, now we're getting into conference, so obviously now we're going to see those teams up close and personal. But uh, we're always rooting for those guys non-conference-wise because the stronger each team is, the stronger the conference is, and more, more notoriety and respect we get. Because, as you know, uh, from the parts you're at, the Missouri Valley has uh, has been the, uh, the the bread and butter of the FCS conference-wise uh, for quite some time now. And so uh, we, we're, we're trying to battle battle that conference as, as much as we can within the, the confines of what we can do. But uh, this year, without a doubt, is the strongest Big Sky Conference has been ever, in my opinion. Coach, we appreciate your time. We know you're very busy this week. Best of luck on Saturday night. We'll be watching. Thank you so much, guys. Can Eastern Washington hold up against Montana's physicality That's always been the question with Eastern. They've struggled in these types of games. They came into the Fargo Dome in the first round of the playoffs last spring in April, and they got worn down. They got beat down by NDSU's physicality. Bobby Houck in Montana, they want to play a physical brand of football, and that defense is for the Grizz. Do they have enough? Does Eastern have enough on the defensive side? And can Eric Berrier make the legend-defining plays? This is a legacy-defining game for Eastern Washington quarterback Eric Berrier. I can't wait to watch on Saturday night. Well, a lot of big games here this weekend around the FCS. You have some rivalry games. you got some big-time matchups in primetime. And down in South Texas, you've got a fun matchup, the Battle of the Piney Woods with Sam Houston and Stephen F. Austin at NRG Stadium in Houston. Expected to get a fantastic crowd, and it's a a back-and-forth series and rivalry that Sam Houston has really owned over the last decade or so but certainly an intriguing matchup and a storyline we wanted to talk about with Rob Hip. He is the play-by-play voice of the defending national champion, Sam Houston Bearcats. Rob, it's always great, my friend. Uh, first off, Sam Houston off to an excellent start this season and a big win uh, in conference play in the new WAC AQ7 going on the road and beating Central Arkansas last week. The Bearcats are off and rolling right now. Yeah, man. Jeff, is always good to hear from you. I appreciate you and your friendship and the great work that you do and yeah, just another exciting season for Sam Houston, man. Of course, coming off of the national championship. And I heard you say defending national champions. Coach Keeler likes to call us the attacking national oh, All right, I like that, yeah. So that's kind of the terminology that he likes to use, and so we stick with that. But, yeah, man, last week, you know, finally getting a little bit of conference action going. Still not officially as a whack conference game. It was part of the AQ7, as you mentioned. Uh, but it was a good start for Sam Houston to to get that victory. It's always tough at the stripes. I believe we'd only won like two times in the past uh, seven games or so on the road there. So it was good to get that win. But it's it's a tough place to play. Uh, it I don't know what it is, but every time we go there, I, I didn't want to go back to deja vu of 2019. But yeah. uh, we were up in that game, I believe, at one point, 31 to seven, and then things just kind of fell apart for a little bit, and it got to within three, and then we finally were able to break away. But you know, Eric Schmidt, our quarterback, the, the Southland Conference player of the year last year, uh, had four interceptions in the first half, and we thought we were well on our way. But, you know, that's how it goes at UCA. So, luckily, we were able to hold on and, and win that game heading into this big rivalry weekend. Rob, how do you handicap this this conference in a one-off year 
with teams from you know the WAC and the the, the A Sun getting together. It's it's definitely, I guess, from afar, it looks like a more competitive league weekend and week out and week out than what the Southland was overall. How do you sort of look at the schedule and assess the way this league in a, in a one-off year looks overall? You know, it's it. You just mentioned there's some tough opponents in there. I, I'm just thankful that we got to play Central Arkansas. You know, because they're not part of the Southland anymore. They're not going to be part of the WAC. I don't know, man. Coach always talks about, I don't want to just have coach speak as I've heard over the years, but it is, it's just one game at a time. Uh, it is a very tough conference. You start looking at different teams who are, who are traditionally powerhouses. And then you've got other teams that are kind of starting out and getting slow Lamar's in, in this conference. And they've had their battles over the years. And that's a, that's a team that's still on their way up. So I don't know really if you can put the word handicap on it, Jeff. I just think that it's one of those that you just got to go one game at a time and just play football, and that's what we've seen so far. Rob Hip with us, play-by-play man of the Sam Houston Bearcats. All right, the Battle of the Piney Woods. Give uh, listeners that don't know about this matchup, uh, the, the setup, the, the facility, obviously uh, an NFL stadium you're playing in. Uh, give us some background on, on this game and these two programs uh, and how it has, has come to be throughout the years in this rivalry series. Yeah, it's such a great rivalry. You know, I've only been with Sam Houston. I was entering my third year, so I'm still kind of getting new to it. I uh, was able to call the game in 2019. We didn't have a contest, of course, last year because of COVID. But one of the oldest rivalries, not only in the state of Texas, but in the FCS, it goes all the way back to 1923. And through that entire rivalry, these teams have competed together in four different conferences. So you go back to 1923, you go through four different conferences, and it's just something a lot of fun. You know, it's it's one of those games in any rivalry game where each team is kind of poking fun at each other. In fact, I saw something on social media earlier where one of the Sam Houston fans actually changed the Sam Houston logo to purple and said, this is what winning looks like. <laughs> uh, so it's just good fun, man. I also saw the head coaches get involved on social media. Colby Carthel, the Stephen F. Austin head coach, put an asterisk next to the, the national championship for the Bearcats, saying that, uh, that Stephen F. Austin uh, played only in the fall, didn't play in the spring, and then a nod to uh, our fans up here, uh, hashtag with Trey Lance not playing in the springtime. I'm sure that got people fired up on the message boards and on uh, social media accounts over the last 24 hours or so. Yeah, it's got some people fired. I don't, you know, for me as a broadcaster, I don't, of course, get involved in it. And a lot of our coaching staff, they could, they could care less. They just want to focus on football. Now, on the flip side, I've gotten to know Coach Carthel a little bit. He's a great guy. I, I like his, you know, how he pokes fun and has a good time. And it's all just in good spirit, man. Yeah. It, it comes with the rivalry. That's what creates the rivalry. If it was just two teams playing a game, it would just be another game. But of course. Uh, this is a team that we always go up against, not just football, but basketball and other sports. Uh, it has been a tradition for a long time, and I'm happy to see it happening again this year. Of course, we play down at NRG Stadium where the Texans play in 95 years of this, and last year was one of the few blips mm-hmm. because of COVID. So I'm glad that it's up and running again and, and looking forward to being there on Saturday. Hey, let's talk about the Sam Houston team as a whole. Uh, you know, depending on what poll you look at, number one team in the country and, and essentially everyone returning from the national championship uh, last spring. We saw you guys up close and personal. They knocked the Bison out of the playoffs uh, in May in the quarterfinals down in the heat 
in South Texas in Huntsville. Uh, and I'm a big Eric Schmidt guy. I think he's a tough dude, man. I think he can make some plays, and he's a leader, no doubt about it. But, uh, you know, Coach Keeler has done a great job with the trenches there and really ha- has developed that area over the last few seasons or so. Are you seeing a lot of the same things, uh, Rob, you saw from this group and their national championship run back in the spring? Yeah, well, you, the first thing is you hit the nail right on the head. It was something I was going to allude to as, as we're transitioning into this is that all of the returning starters are basically back, 16 of them. All of them are back. So you take your one and two deep. That's basically everybody is back for the most part. Uh, we have seen just tremendous effort this year from Ramon Jefferson, our running back. He has really stepped up. This young man, uh, by the way, is averaging over 100 yards a game in the first three games. You talked about Eric Schmidt earlier. I just think having everybody back from that spring season that was so, I mean, literally, let's be honest, it seemed like it was just yesterday, going from that and now right back together, everybody's returning. And we've had some injuries off and on. Uh, Jaquez Ezard, they decided that he would sit for a couple of games after uh, the opener up at Northern Arizona just because he had a little bit of a strain. So he didn't even play much of course after that he played at southeastern or, or or coming back last week he finally got to some action last week came back and had two touchdown grabs and so i think having those guys is critical man uh, our running game has been solid the defense i don't want to skip out on the defense the defense continues to dominate you know the defense that over the past two years i don't want to throw out misinformation but i think it was somewhere around 20 plus games that they didn't allow a single team over 100 yards well they've kept that right back up so bringing all those guys back, having a powerful defense. It's just part of the success of Sam Houston. And it's all about the culture, man. Coach Keeler has really instilled such a solid culture. In any interview you hear me on, I'm going to talk about that because it's so important to have that culture and that family atmosphere. And that's what Keeler and his staff have created. Yeah, it's impressive. It really is. And they had a a tremendous run, a tremendous season last year, and they looked the part again uh, here so far early on in the fall of 2021. Rob Hipp, their play-by-play voice, stopping by. Hey, enjoy NRG Stadium. Enjoy Houston on Saturday. We appreciate your time as always, my friend. Yeah, you bet. And, hey, this is the 10th. Sam Houston's trying to make it 10 in a row in this uh, Battle of the Piney Woods. So we're going to go for the Big Ten and see if we can do it, Jeff. I appreciate you, man. That'll be a fun one to watch and follow. There's no question about that. And what about this one in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, an in-state rivalry field in the Peace Garden State? It's NDSU and UND, the first time the Bison have traveled up I-29 to Grand Forks into the Alara Center. Going to be a sold-out crowd. Bubba Schweiger, the head coach at UND, said this was a game. These types of games are the reason that UND wanted to get into the Missouri Valley Football Conference to play teams like NDSU in their home venue where UND has won 12 in a row. They have not lost a game since November of 2018 to fourth-ranked Weaver State in their home digs of the Alaris Center. Well... The Bison travel well. They're 44-5 and on the road since 2011, and plenty of Bison fans will make their way up I-29. It's an interesting matchup. Only three meetings in the Division I era dating back to 2004 all have been in Fargo and been dominated by NDSU, but UND is trying to strike and stake their claim overall. The Bison trying to give them the Heisman stiff arm, the little brother type of treatment, if you will, and try and keep them in their place. Able to catch up with some former 
former NDSU greats in the Division II era back in the 1980s. How about Hall of Famer and NDSU great Phil Hansen, former Buffalo Bills defensive lineman, played in three Super Bowls. Here's Phil talking about his memories of the old matchup. Back in the 80s and uh, 90s, you know, and, and 2000s, it was always just very competitive, and that, that was lost when NDSU went to Division One and UND decided to stay in Division Two. Uh, but now uh, that's kind of come back, and and I, I think UND is really a team on the rise. I mean, uh, I'm sure that they they do not feel good that NDSU has uh, been at the top of FCS for the last decade, and and they're going to uh, you know try to put their best best foot forward. And it seems like they've finally got some talent that they can do that. Um, so yeah, I, I expect a very good game. I, I see UND as a team on the rise, um, and I think it'll be a great challenge for NDSU. Do you have a a favorite story from your days playing against the boys up north that uh, sticks out to you, or or just growing up, just just talking about the game with uh, with people or around the team, around the state? Anything that comes to mind uh, right away? Yeah, I guess nothing. There was no specific stories. I guess I just I guess. Uh, uh, my claim to fame is, is our teams are from '86 to '90. We never lost UND, so I guess that was one thing that was that was important back in those days. I, I don't know how important it is to the kids uh, who play now, especially since that time off uh, in the tradition of the, the rivalry tradition. It seems like the players now uh, have really developed uh, uh, a disliking for SDSU, uh, which was kind of interesting to me to watch that all evolve. And one of the all-time great running backs in NDSU history, Chad Stark, going back to his old days playing outdoors. Yes, this game was played outdoors, for those that don't know, in the old Division II days at Dakota Field in Fargo and Memorial Stadium in Grand Forks. Here's Chad Stark. My, so it would have been my, would have been my sophomore year. That's the year it sleeted, or it <laughs> rained, it sleeted, and it snowed all in the first half. I got knocked out three times, and back then, you know, they just give you smelling salts. Yeah. <laughs> and, hey, how many fingers up? You know, two, two or three, you know. <laughs> all right, get they back in. Give you in, a finger start. and a half leeway each way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think we won that one 14-3, and it was just a barn burner of a game. But it, it was cold, um, and then obviously the great, the great game our senior year is when you know Bentram broke Walter Payton's yep. record mm-hmm. for for touchdowns. So there, you, we've got a lot of good memories up there. The Bison dominated this game and ran the football at will, 316 yards rushing the football, nearly 37 minutes time of possession in a 34-13 win in the springtime. UND trying to erase that, trying to take away the running game. One big difference for the Bison, the quarterback play. Quincy Patterson the second did not play in the spring. He is the starter in this game, and he has been an upgrade at quarterback. What are the next steps forward for QP2 as QB1 as he hopes to lead the Bison to a lid-lifting win at UND in the Missouri Valley Football Conference? And realignment, continuing to watch that around the group of five. The trickle down, of course, into the FCS. NDSU keeping an eye on that as well. Able to catch up with NDSU Director of Athletics Matt Larson. And uh, with the Bison being mentioned in Chris Fanini's article in The Athletic. First time North Dakota State has been mentioned in a national publication. And it makes sense with their success. 
national championships in the last 10 seasons. And so a lot of fans interested about the future of the division and the future landscape of college football as well. And we talked with Matt about all of that and started out by just throwing it up, tossing it up to him. What's his overall generalized view from his vantage point of how NDSU fits in to the uh, the world of college football realignment now being mentioned nationally and other interesting nuggets and questions and answers here from NDSU Director of Athletics, Matt Larson. Well, I think first off, I mean, I think the fact that, you know, NDSU's name is mentioned really in any sort of FBS conference realignment, I think it just speaks to the, you know, where our program is, the quality of the program, what we, the product we put on the field, you know, each yeah. and every weekend, the, the strength of the fan base, uh, you know, the, you know, that, that stretches in my, you know, it really is buys a nation for a reason. And, and so I think it, to me, unbelievable respect for our program, the fact that we're mentioned in those conversations and you know as you and I have talked I, I think this is going to be a really interesting time in the next six to yeah. six to 12 months you know I, I've heard things as, as much as you know we might see some some movement in the American and you know by the end of the week you know and so yeah. there's that much stuff going on and it's almost that domino effect and so um I think, you know, 12, 18 months, I think college football is going to look a lot different in a lot of different ways in terms of where people are calling home and, yep. um, you know, what does that mean for all their institutions? And so uh, it's an interesting time, something that I follow really, really closely. I think we have to. Yep. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it should be interesting here these next couple of months. What can you tell people about the level of planning, I guess, behind the scenes? Mm-hmm. Because certainly – you look at everything and and you you want to gather info about you know if it were to perhaps happen mm-hmm. if the question were asked what would need to be done if it were something that NDSU mm-hmm. were looking at mm-hmm. what can you share with people about level of preparation yeah. in this topic for for you looking at everything overall well i think with anything that that we talk about whether it's facility projects whether it's you name it you know to me you you have to have all the information to make the best decision possible and to me i don't i don't see um you know our future uh any different in in this scenario either i mean we, we have to take a hard look at and again, as I've always said, you know, conversations that Dean Brashani and I have had from the day I walked onto campus is, you know, how do we how do we increase the profile of NDSU yep. and the athletics program, and how do we position ourselves for for future success, regardless of what that means. And so, you know, that's always looking at what the, the what ifs of the future and being prepared with an answer if those things present themselves. And you know, there's been times over the course of the last seven years where where things have presented, and you know, maybe wasn't the right time or the right instance or the right game yeah. or opponent or whatever it might be for NDSU. And there's been other times that, that things have made sense. You know, let's go play a target field. Let's do sure. something neutral. So there's been a lot of those things. And so to me, this is no different in terms of you always want to do your due diligence and really look into and, and look at every opportunity. And I don't think that's a, a disrespect as, you know, people talk around the country of if you're if you're looking at different options, that's not a disrespect yep. to where you currently are or to who your current opponents are. It's you're trying to make sure that you're doing your due diligence um, in every step of what we do, again, with the ultimate goal of positioning NDSU for what's best for NDSU. And, and yeah. so to me, this area is no different. Have you gotten to a point where even, I mean, even specifically, Matt, where you know 
from a financial component, the amount mm-hmm. that maybe mm-hmm. it would take mm-hmm. to, to do it the right way? Has it has it even dug that deep to a certain degree at all? You know, we've we've started to look at that. I mean, there's some there's some things that are that are really simple. I mean, it's easy. You know, in terms of calculation numbers, you go from 63 to 85. Right. The scholarship numbered. Um, you know, I think people probably don't realize there's a lot of other moving parts that go into any of those things. Mm-hmm. Anytime you're adding scholarships, you're looking at different things. And so, no, we've 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 taken a look at at you know what what that might look like from a revenue and expense standpoint and and all the moving parts and again want to make sure that you know we've done we've checked all the boxes you know when when and if um anything makes sense for us and i've said all along you know if there might be interest in ndsu and at the end of the day we may be right where we are you know a year from now and and that's okay we're in a really good place right now and you know we have an opportunity to compete for a national championship every single year we're in the best uh fcs conference in the country uh bar none i think and and this year i think has shown more than any that um the missouri valley is really really strong um we have a great fan base uh they believe in in what we're doing and so um you know don't always you know a lot sometimes people think the grass is always greener like right now we're we're playing in some really green grass right now and feel really good about where we are um it seems like, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not asking to comment on their situation, and I'm just speculating because that's just the, that's what I do. We mm-hmm. just we live in a hypothetical yep. world yep. on this show yep. every day. But it feels like James Madison is being very, very aggressive mm-hmm. in their future, and it, it feels like it's the FBS. Mm-hmm. You've said it all along. You're on the playoff committee. You've mm-hmm. been a part of some mm-hmm. you know, conversations with the rest of the division where, hey, we want to make this as strong of a division as possible. We want as many like-minded programs right. as us, right, as NDSU. If James Madison were to go and go to the FBS, would that in any way affect your thought on the division and the strength of it and what maybe – the future holds for it in any way, shape, or form at all? Well, I think it certainly hurts anytime you lose a program that, you know, at least, you know, in their case for the last decade has been really yeah. strong and they've been a national title contender. You know, I know we've we've talked in the past and you guys talk about it on the show regularly about, you know, you look in the last, past decade of, of really successful FCS programs who, who've made that who've made that jump. And so when you look at FCS, although it's interesting, I saw something the other day that there are more FCS programs competing next year than there's Ever. been in the last yep. last number of decades. Yep. And so to me, I think that, that speaks to one, the strength of college football, um, but also but but when you continue to lose your 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 programs that are really investing at a high level that that's not always good either and yeah. so now we've been fortunate as you saw so you lose a, a georgia southern you lose a coastal carolina use well now you've seen the emergence of south dakota state you know you've yep. seen the emergence of some other programs that have filled those voids in a really good way and so you know you still look at you know probably the same as 10 years ago you look at the top 15 or 20 teams that now have a chance to win a national championship i think we've now supplanted some of those programs left with other ones that have chosen to invest we're talking about realignment. I think another thing that a lot of people bring up is, are you doing football only? Is it going to be all sports, that kind of stuff? What can you t- say about what you're looking at, not just from a football perspective, but for NDSU, what's best for all the sports? Well, and I, I think that's just exactly it. I, you know, with any scenarios, we're going to look at what is what is best because you know you guys know this. NDSU is not just a football school. Mm-hmm. You know, we're a school that we're gonna we're gonna invest and we're gonna in every single program with the opportunity to, to compete for conference championships and NCAA tournament berths. And so that that's not going to change as long as I'm at NDSU. We're never going to to leverage one program 
um, at, at the at the either the benefit or the detriment of another program. That's just not who we are. And so anything that we always look at, it's going to be at putting all of our programs in the best position to be successful and compete for championships, whatever that may look like. Talking with Matt Larson here live on site. Sickies realignment, it's his favorite topic mm-hmm. uh, overall. Uh, covering the gamut with us. I don't think anybody's asked him until we did. Probably. Never, ever no. asked him a question yeah. about realignment or anything like that. Uh, has there been any contact or communication with with an FBS league with you or or anyone else in, in recently yeah. or or at all? There, there, there has not been. Okay, there has not been. And 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 I'll, and I'll say this, guys, too. And I and I kind of opened up with this. I mean, to me, incredibly flattering that we're even in a position for people to be yeah. talking about this. You know, there's when you look at there's a hundred and fifty some odd FCS programs. Not a lot are in conversations like this. So I mean, to me, incredibly. Uh, complimentary of our program, where we are, our fan base, our profile, our brand, all of those different sure. things. Um, but at the end of the day, again, we got to do what's what's best for NDSU, and so we'll see what the future may hold. So some good info there from NDSU Director of Athletics Matt Larson. Hey, they're, they're keeping an eye open, folks. They're watching what's going on around the landscape, and Matt has said this many times. He is going to do what is best for NDSU, whatever it needs to be done, however done, to help propel North Dakota State into a better position and move it forward. That is what he is uh, planning on doing. So keep an eye out, and we will as well, uh, around the world of college football athletics and realignment in the months and uh, potentially year to come, certainly. All right, speaking of rivalry games, how about this one here? The Military Classic of the South, VMI heads to the Citadel to take on the triple option offensive attack from the Citadel in what is a classic game in the South. And VMI, of course, uh, is coming off an impressive win over Wofford. They had a great springtime, SOCON Conference champions. But Scott Wackenheim would tell you uh, he has woken up early in the morning. He said, I've woken up at 4 o'clock in the morning the last three days, very concerned about our run defense against the Citadel run offense. Um, it's a first conference game for the Citadel, averaging 256 rushing yards per game with that triple option rushing attack that ranks 10th nationally around the FCS. This is a fun game, folks, for the fans. A lot of pomp, a lot of circumstance as well, and uh, certainly a rivalry game. The military classic of the South in Charleston, South Carolina, should be a fun one. The 11,427-seat stadium, Johnson Haygood Stadium, expected to be full. A sellout for this one with VMI and the Citadel. Also, VMI will be represented by a cadet contingent of approximately 500, including their band. Uh, i tell you what, you talk about uh, what college football is all about, history, tradition, and the meaning of these games. This is a prime example of down in Charleston, South Carolina, in the Military Classic of the South with VMI taking on the Citadel. All right, I hope we didn't give the FCS fever jinx to Bob Chesney and his Holy Cross team. They are back at home, 
and facing, you want to talk about history and tradition, programs that have been playing a lot of football and certainly many games against one another. Harvard out of the Ivy League taking on Holy Cross. This is like Beantown football right here, ladies and gentlemen. Has Boston written all over it? Harvard and Holy Cross, not a power conference game, but a game for both fan bases, both football programs and universities that means a lot, uh, dating back quite some time. Uh, the Ivy League, the Patriot League, Harvard and Holy Cross. Harvard 2-0, and Holy Cross 3-1, and looking to continue their great start to the season. We'll keep an eye on that game out along the East Coast. The James Madison train rolls into New Hampshire to take on the Wildcats. Is New Hampshire three and one right now? JMU at three and zero. The big question is, how good is the CAA underneath, uh, behind of James Madison? We know JMU is going to make a run. We know JMU is going to be a team that is going to contend for the national championship in Frisco, Texas. Who's the next team? Could it be Delaware? Could it be Villanova? Can New Hampshire or maybe even upstart Rhode Island throw their names into the hat? This is where we find out more about New Hampshire hosting James Madison, a 3.30 Eastern time kick in, uh, in, in, at New Hampshire. Uh, I tell you what, they got a shot. They got a chance to prove it on the football field. I just think JMU is too physical, has too much firepower overall for the Wildcats. All right, there you go. That's going to do it for us. It's going to be a fun weekend. Hope you enjoyed a lot of information on this one as we preview the big matchups and the big games this weekend around FCS college football with a little realignment dropped in there as well. Have fun watching the games. A bevy of big-time games in conference play around the country at FCS college football. My name is Jeff Colhane. I'll be back on Monday recapping the weekend. You've got the FCS Fever podcast right here. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games, everyone. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.